have your rental records from the Kohak Video Store. Can you read the last two titles, please? Uh, Son-in-Law and Biodome. And who's the star of those films? Uh, Polly Shore. Polly Shore! <laughs> Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I am Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know, by now, we are a podcast, Cracks Open Beer, and we talk about some movies. Now, we are finishing out Rotten March with uh, three actually not terrible to watch movies. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say this week is probably the strongest week. Yeah, like I mean... That- I don't hate any, like, I did not feel like any of the movies, I was like, what the fuck? What? Right. <laughs> like, like, one of the movies, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense, but I'm still enjoying it. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's a couple um, time capsules in here as well. Yeah. Actually, I think they're all three time capsules to a certain extent. So we're going to be talking about Joe Dirt, Encino Man, and the amazing double team, which is uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman. Now, before we get into any of that, though, we got to talk about what we're drinking. So, Mike, what do you have? All right. So, I decided to make a black and tan this week, though. It didn't layer like black and tans are supposed to. For those of you who don't know, a black and tan is mixing a stout or a porter with an ale or a lager. So, I am mixing Sarbamba. Uh, Russian Imperial Stout from Seven Mile Brewing and Broken Skull IPA, Steve Austin's Broken Skull IPA <laughs> from there you go. Segundo Brewing Company. And I don't, I don't know why this just seemed to make sense this week to have a Steve Austin and an explosive beer, but it just it seemed to fit the vibe of the right. movies. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, it didn't layer, but let's see, because I we all know I'm not a huge fan of stouts or uh, porters, but let's see if the IPA mixing with it, if I like black and tans better. Yeah. Ooh, it's in the fishbowl too. Okay. It's interesting. It's not bad. Uh, they uh, When you mix them, it cuts down like the heaviness of the porter and the... Uh, the bitterness of an IPA. So you get like you get a hint of coffee, but you're getting more of the refreshingness of an IPA. It still wouldn't be my first choice to drink, but it's not a bad mixture. And I can see why people like it. Nice. Nice. All right. Yeah. So I almost went back to Zed's because I have another four pack in the fridge, but I was like, nah. I don't know if I want to go back to back with that. I enjoyed them, but I don't know if I want to go back to back on them. So, yeah, spread the love. What? (laughs) Got to spread the love. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Got to get her going out. So, this time I definitely spread it all the way out to the West Coast because I got a pretty good brewery. It's Rogue Brewing, which is really good. And I got their Honey Kolsch. And uh, Rogue is from, it looks like Newport, Oregon. But Honey Kolsch, a little 5%, nice little easy drink. It's got the can art, it's got a bunch of bees with beers and shit. Like they're uh, they're pretty cool bees apparently, but <laughs> the the choice this week, you know, we talked, we heard you, we mentioned it a couple of times ago, the last couple of weeks, where there was a choice between what movies we were going to watch, what movie we were going to watch. Uh, it was either going to be Double Team or Simon Says. Now Simon Says is the Dennis Rodman starring movie of the two, and in that, if I'm remembering that piece of shit correctly. 
and there were these little like robotic bee drones. <laughs> so I saw that and I was like, oh, it's a little bit of a nod to Dennis Rodman because I couldn't find anything with a caveman, um, a redneck with a really bad mullet or Jean-Claude Van Damme. But I guess I could have gone with like a Belgian white or something, but yeah. I didn't. So Kolsch is probably the closest we're going to have to get to that. Um, but it's it's the bees are also winged things which there's a little bit of a a butterfly tattoo in double team that plays a role in a half a scene and you think it's going to be more but it's not <laughs> but before we get into that wonderful masterpiece of action cinema we got to get to uh joe dirt from 2001 it's at nine percent and it's directed by denny gordon who's on a shitload of television and basically this is i think the only thing he's done with the movies and it shows. <laughs> <laughs> now, this movie is probably either my favorite or second favorite movie of the month. I this do is a good love one. Grind. I do love Grind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was a staple of like Comedy okay. Central for a solid decade. You know, like Just, you couldn't turn on Comedy Central and not see this movie. So, like, I've never seen a movie broken down into different segments quite like Joe Dirt is. Like, it's almost like you're almost doing like a uh i can't think of what it's called like an anthology, you have a bunch, anthology yeah. just joe but they all circle around one idiot <laughs> yeah it's like american horror story but with joe dirt <laughs> <laughs> but with with uh with christopher walken being a <laughs> Christopher Walken in this movie is the best. He's so good in this movie. The janitor, Clem, or whatever, who's in the witness protection program because yeah. he's secretly in the mafia. <laughs> New York City, New York. I mean, New York City, Utah. Right, Kansas. It's Kansas. It's Kansas. <laughs> yeah, Kansas, yeah. Oh, you're talking to my guy all wrong. It's the wrong tone. <laughs> but... It would talk about like 2001 is we talked about how grind is essentially 2003 in a, like the movie um, and Sino man and double team will be a combination of the nineties. And then we got Joe dirt 2001. It's there's so much in this, like just story wise and tone wise, and a lot of jokes wise that are very much just 2001, like all of the gay jokes, all of the um, like the redneck jokes, like that's when like the blue collar comedy tour was gigantic for some unknown reason in this awful, awful country at the time. And, and then, of course, we have the biggest of them all at the time, which was Kid Rock. Kid Rock is in this movie. Now, yeah. it's kind of funny because his character's name is Robbie and his real name is Robert Ritchie. So I was like, why don't, why don't I, we just be yourself, son? <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine, so Robbie's a giant douche in this movie. And I, I imagine they just told Kid Rock to be himself. Right. And he was too douchey. So they told him to tone it down. And then you got Robbie. <laughs> right. They told him to act. <laughs> act like you're not a complete asshole. And then <laughs> be <Robbie>. slightly <laughs> less douchey than yourself and right. we got it. <laughs> yeah try to sort of be likable and, and you of course you get the unlikable robbie but it's <laughs> there's so many there's so many great like the weird thing is about this movie it's only david spade could do this movie like yeah. there's no one else that could really do joe dirt the way that spade does it now grant i haven't seen that horrible sequel they came out I with either 
but I imagine it's much, much worse in the sense that it's way too late to be doing any of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of those, like, I don't know, was it 2016? You had a bunch of sequels that were, like, 20 years later. Like, all in the same time period. You had, like, Super Troopers 2. You had Joe Dirt 2. Um, little out there, you had Jurassic World. You had... Well, there was Kindergarten Cop 2 with Dolph Kinder- Lundgren. <laughs> <laughs> that one, weirdly enough, is, like, you're watching it, you're like, this isn't awful, but it, this isn't quite a movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, this, this could be much worse. <laughs> But yeah, this movie, like, I imagine that, I don't know, like, Sasha Baron Cohen could maybe do something like this, but it would actually be more well thought out. Oh, it would be watchable and, like, have, like, layers and shit and be, like, social commentary and all this stuff. And it wouldn't just be a bunch of loosely strung together um, redneck and gay jokes, you know? (laughs) Because what's the first thing? I mean, of course, then there's Dennis fucking Miller, like, that piece of shit. Of course, he's got to be in it because that was 2001. We still thought he was worth looking at. Um, Now... He's got several things where, like, Joe's telling the story about... Now, for some reason, anybody's never seen Joe Dirt or doesn't know the concept. Joe Dirt's a silly-looking redneck with a mullet surgically attached to his head, and he's brought into this radio station to tell the story of himself because he's just such a fascinating character by the way he looks. And Dennis Miller's the radio host, and it's he's just... Joe Dirt's telling the story. Now, he's telling the story about... Um, but Brittany Daniels character, I, I can't even be bothered to remember her name. And I feel like it might be Brittany. I don't even know. But um, Brandy, Brandy, that's what it is. But the whole time, it's like you, you very much are getting this sense that, yes, these two are supposed to be together and blah, blah, blah. They'll end up together, whatever. Well, there's a couple of times where like everybody's like, oh, Joe, so you're gay, right? And they're like, he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, why didn't you bang Brandy? It's like, well, she was my friend, you know, it's kind of like Joe's like very much in the right here. He's like, yeah. we were friends. Why would I do that? You know, it's like we were just friends, which for 2001 is a very weird thing to hear coming out of your, your hero in with Brittany Daniel being Brandy, you know, this gorgeous woman. Like you're used to him just being like wanting to plow. There is no friend kind of situation yeah. here. <laughs> Which but, that's like one of the only things from this movie that actually kind of ages well. <laughs> right. It, it, that weird, ironically enough, it's the Joe Dirt character himself being like yeah. this relentlessly positive person yeah. in the face of just incredible adversity. Well, <laughs> I mean, you just got to keep on keeping on. Like that's... <laughs> right right i feel like i still hear a lot of people quote that or post that shit like if you're one of those people that posts a bunch of uh a bunch of inspirational shit on facebook a i'm gonna guess you're not doing that well no (laughs) now if you are you shouldn't be (laughs) b B, i'm gonna guess you posted that line at least once (laughs) oh easily that live laugh, live laugh love is their like cover photo (laughs) (laughs) but you got to keep on keeping on is a great line The only thing better would be if it was Matthew McConaughey with the Just Keep Living, you know? It's like, it's just as hollow and just as stupid, but it's still, like, (laughs) just as motivational, you know? (laughs) Well, now, it's almost up there with Never Stop, Never Stopping. That's right. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, good old Connor for real and Joe Dirt crossover. I would love that. (laughs) 
which in in the right era of Saturday Night Live, we probably could have gotten. Yeah, we absolutely would have gotten. Had had the Sandler Spade Farley era crossed over with the Lonely Island Andy Sandberg era, we definitely would have gotten that. Yeah, but um, it, and now that's that's a weird crossover because it's very two very different types of humor, and it would have been a very weird crossover and almost like at odds with itself. But it would have been very interesting to try to see if that actually would happen. But there there are a couple things. <laughs> there are a couple things in this movie now it, it happens with a bunch of these well not so much a double team because it's a uh, an action movie but with encino man as well these comedies are so dumb yeah. and the jokes might work in 2001 the first time but the second time it's like okay this isn't funny anymore i completely forgot two um jokes in this well three lines the first one is said by joe where he's talking to the space peanut. <laughs> he's talking to his, his space rock, just that hunk of like frozen shit that fell out of yeah. the plane and the meteor. And he says, uh, we're going to go into town. Town is a place where everyone hates you and the kids all try to beat you up. <laughs> I was like, all right, that's a good one. He says it like completely wholesome. Yeah. Like, that's what town is, you know? <laughs> and then the other is from the old woman that sells him her car. And she says, she's talking about her husband, her dead husband. And she's like, oh, I killed him. He used to beat me. So one day I pushed him into the wood chipper, told the cops he fell in. <laughs> I was like, wait, <laughs> what? What are we even talking about here? That's and like then, some Tucker and Dale versus evil shit. <laughs> right, exactly. And then my favorite part, it's not even a line. It's just the police sketch artist uh, sketch of Joe Dirt's mother <laughs> that looks like Richard Ramirez the yeah. Night Stalker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For some reason that made me laugh my ass off. <laughs> I was like, why is this funny? But I don't know, but I'm laughing. <laughs> oh, that and Joe's red, the probably the greatest dirtbag t-shirt in history is when Joe's wearing the cutoff I choked Linda Lovelace t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. It's like there's if you want to just take an image and be like, this is what a dirt bag looks like, all you need is a guy in that t-shirt. <laughs> now, what I don't get is who who saw the water boy and saw f- the farmer dude from the water boy and was just like, he needs more cameos. <laughs> well, I think he's that's like because he's one of the Sandler like um yeah it's uh blake, blake clark blake clark yeah he's you know the most recent voice of um oh uh, what's his name the, the dog the springy dog in um uh toy story he's he took over for jim varney um but he's like he's like one of those outskirts sandler guys so they can like split the two like if he needed to show up in a spade movie he definitely was available you know <laughs> yeah no, I do think so. I'm pretty sure he was on Home Improvement, and this was probably around when that was airing. Could be, but I think 2001 might have been a that might have been the last years of Home Improvement. I think, I think we were done with that experiment. Oh, yeah, Home point. Improvement was 94 to 99. Yeah, we were and, we were done by that. Yeah, by that yeah. point, we'd figured out that Tim Allen was not that funny. No, uh, he should hey, be I like Home Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> <laughs> he should be Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> But, uh, but just what I want to know what drugs people were on that were like, all right, these are going to be the segments of the movie. He's going to meet a Native American firework salesman. He's going to help him actually. Uh, wing. Successful. <laughs> He's going to find a frozen space poop. He's going to try and sell it. 
and find out it was space poop he was eating french fries off of right <laughs> burger fries <laughs> ketchup <laughs> he was gonna work at a carnival and bang someone who may or may not have been his sister <laughs> jamie presley aka if you didn't get britney daniel in your movie you got jamie presley and this one happened to get both <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna He's going to get kidnapped by bu- fucking Buffalo Bill at some point. <laughs> I, think it's, I think the actor's name is Scott Thompson. He's yeah. been in a cut ton of stuff. Like, you, if you see this guy, you've seen him in a bunch of stuff. He's got a very distinct face. And, uh, yeah, they do a the Buffalo Bob, Buffalo Bill, you know, kind of play on uh, that. Put the Joe Dirt in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> I hear people. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna meet a janitor who used to be a mob boss that's in witness protection. Gert B. Frobe, which is funny because that's the name of the actor who played Goldfinger in James Bond. <laughs> You're talking to my guy all wrong. It's the wrong tone. <laughs> Talk to me like that again. I stab you in the face with a soldering iron. Soldering iron. Hey, tell me, does your mother sew? Boom, get her to sew that. <laughs> And walking is just, he's like, he's the perfect actor for that role, too. He just, is. It's so great. His the delivery only, is just amazing. The only other person that maybe, that maybe, it's going to be, the character is going to be different, but maybe provide same entertainment level is Nick Cage going full vampire. <laughs> yeah. 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 You kind of like, you get him like when he's first turning. Like yeah. that's kind of the, like when he does the fangs thing, like yeah. that's kind of like, or like the face meme, like that. That's kind of like the level you want. A B C <laughs> goes through the whole alphabet again. <laughs> but yeah, and then this whole movie, it's just fucking wild. But I still enjoy watching it. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because, like, you know, aside from the, obviously, it's like Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. You know, yeah. like without the gay jokes. You're like you're watching. You're like, oh, you know, this is this is kind of like charmingly stupid. You know, you're like, I'm enjoying myself here. We don't need it's to one of those. It's one of those like, oh, you're bored on a Friday night. Maybe you're having a beer. You're scrolling through TV and you see that this is on, and you're like, okay, all right, that could be. I can be fine with this. <laughs> uh so mike um i'm gonna have to ask you to stop using your time machine to look into my friday nights in 2001 occasionally because that's exactly what we did (laughs) we just got drunk watching joe dirt you know (laughs) exactly what happened in (laughs) but see we would do the similar except if we would do because we i went to college when there was streaming available so we would watch like the water boy on netflix yeah 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 so yeah we had to make sure that we had comedy central turned on at the right time which back then again like i said it was on essentially 24 hours a day so you could turn it on at any point and catch it <laughs> but yeah aside from like the you know, using like the retard use the queer use like the doubting your hetero street cred line i mean it's like aside from that crap you know, this movie, weirdly enough, kind of does hold up. You're like, oh, this is this is weirdly fine. You know, it's not awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, so it is a product of its time. But the character itself, like Joe Dirt as a character, 
you could still probably make a decent movie around him. I'm sure the sequel wasn't, but no, I guarantee it wasn't. <laughs> but I mean, and I'm sure, of course, obviously, because nowadays, if you were to do it, we got before the sequel is probably an exciting example of that you can't use Spade again, you know, like because he's way too old now, but. The thing is, like, if you were to make this movie now, of course, people would like Twitter would have a problem with it because of, I don't know, whatever the you know slander is against whatever Joe Dirt would be considered. You know, <laughs> it's like they'd be up in arms about, you know, trying to defend the redneck breed or whatever. Or he would automatically be like co-opted by like the far right extremists to be like, yeah. you know, he'd be like the poster boy of what to be. <laughs> or he'd be called by the far left extremists to say what's what the far right is, you know? It's either That's, way, it wouldn't go well. <laughs> it's basically so like Joe Dirt and it's weird, Joe Dirt and Borat are almost like it's like <laughs> it's like the right would champion joe dirt the left would champion borat right they're they're weirdly like two sides of the same coin yeah and it's it's very strange because it's it's almost like joe dirt is the commentary on 2001 that we kind of needed whereas borat's the commentary of present times that we kind of needed but i mean it's it's, it is weird. It's, it's weird to say that Sasha Baron Cohen and, and um, uh, David Spade are even sort of similar when it comes to comedic genius levels, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and if we ever got a Borat Joe Dirt crossover. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that would be, that'd be an interesting one. That's all I'd have to say about that. But um, yeah, it's, it's, this movie is just very, there's, there's a lot of dumb shit in it, but it's, I mean, it's, it's 9% because of course it is, you know, there, yeah. there's no way anyone would be like, this is the greatest movie of all time. But I mean, even, Oh, then there's the other thing I'm looking at my notes here. Of course, there's um, the one part, probably one of the few times in movie history where the LA river is actually depicted as having water in it. Yeah. <laughs> and then of course there's uh, the fact that Carson Daly and TRL are featured prominently in uh, a vital part of the movie. That's how you know it's 2001. <laughs> and then I think Joe had, Joe has one of my favorite, like Spade is one of my favorite deliveries in this movie. So when he finally meets his parents and they're trying to pitch, they're like, they're trying to sell those little clown like statues that he yeah. has. And he's like, I didn't, I don't mean to interrupt your clown pitch there. <laughs> It's like just the casual way he says that. It's like it's so good. <laughs> yeah, this is a. Uh, I mean, it's icon as far as early two thousands comedy goes. I would call Joe Dirt iconic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're gonna be like Joe Dirt, um, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. You know, you're gonna be there's grind. Talladega Nights. <laughs> Talladega Nights grind. You know, it's it's all the same level. <laughs> but that's probably more than enough on Joe Dirt in the year 2022. <laughs> I think we can so, probably put that one to bed for a while. <laughs> we've, been, <laughs> we've been inconsistent with actually following through on doing ratings for all three movies, but negative 10 to 10, what are we? It's it's a three. Like it's a it's a it's a mildly watchable movie. I wouldn't say it's so bad it's good, but it's 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 fine. So, see, I think we view the list differently than, I think I view the list differently from you, where I'm like, I think negative, like, the way, uh, the way Christopher Walken is per portrays in this movie, I think it adds negative value to it. <laughs> but in the so bad it's good way. 
Kind that's of. what the negative side is what I take that side to be. The so bad it's good side. Kind of. I take it more as like, why like why is it in this movie? But at the same time, I'm so glad it's in this movie. And well, I I see it the other way because I would expect nothing else to be in this movie. Like I would expect yeah. this character to be in this movie because that's the way Spade and Sandler movies worked at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, you put a character like this in these movies. It's kind of like um, it's a little bit later. It's kind of like how uh, Steve Buscemi's in like a body cast in that first Grown Ups movie or yeah. Grown Ups Two. Like it's it doesn't belong, but at the same time it does. You know, it's it's just dumb enough to be in there. Or even in Billy Madison, like Steve Buscemi's character in Billy Madison, yeah. it doesn't need to be there, but I almost I expect it to be there. You know. <laughs> But I think that adds to the negative value on the, like, I think that pushes it higher towards a negative 10 than it does towards a 10. So, yeah, I mean, cause I, I mean, that's, that's probably where the difference is. Like I see that as like legitimately attempting to be funny, you know, as opposed to, I see the negative side as it being somebody who was trying and failing, but yet somehow succeeding at being, it being ironically funny, you know, <laughs> like that's the negative side that I see. All right. I think I'm going to give this movie a solid five out of 10. There you go. That's that said, that's about right. You know, it's, it's, you're not going to look at it and be like, Oh, this is the room. You know, it's, it's not. And we'll get to a Tommy Wiseau in a minute, but (laughs) it's, you're not going to get to that level. Like you're just going to be like, Oh, it's, a Sandler-esque movie, you know, a Sandler crew movie that yeah. unfortunately couldn't involve um, Chris Farley, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's far from high art, but definitely enjoyable in, yeah. the, in the right mood, especially. Like, if you're drinking with your friends and just watching a movie, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. So, all right, Mike, how's your beer? Doing pretty good. Um, I'm liking it more as I drink it. The mixture works better than i think either of the beers do individually and i think the sarbamba and stone cold steve austin like mix perfectly for this episode <laughs> i love it and stone cold steve austin <laughs> like he's sitting there right with you, you know? <laughs> i got my beer and i got my stone you see, cold <laughs> if, you see if this was if we actually did youtube i probably would crop stone cold steve austin in over my shoulder or every now and then have like breaking glass and then have him pop up (laughs) (laughs) my god that's stone cold (laughs) (laughs) all right and then yeah my rogue honey colch is great i'm on my second one it's it's real easy honey colches are usually a pretty easy drink and they're uh they're just a good beer like nice full flavor beer they're they're pretty good so let's move on to 1992's encino man which is uh, a 15% shockingly <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's directed by Les Mayfield, who did Flubber, Blue Streak, uh, The Man, which was that uh, Eugene Levy's Samuel L. Jackson movie. And then Codename The Cleaner, which was uh, Cedric the Entertainer, I think, was that. He was some sort of hitman. But, and if anybody doesn't know, this was the movie that A, gave us Brendan Fraser as the comedic genius that he is. It gave us, unfortunately, in the other end, it gave us Paulie Shore. <laughs> and now, when I was watching this, I texted Mike, and I was like, Paulie Shore is a California stoner version of Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> yeah. Now, when I say that this movie is essentially grind, where grind is a perfect snapshot of 2003 skater culture and music, 
this is a perfect snapshot of 1992 LA Valley, California over the toppiness. It's it's almost like if you're gonna say that clueless was the popular kids in the way they talked. Mm-hmm. And Sino Man is the way the morons talked, <laughs> you know, in that exact in that same oh. region. <laughs> and for anyone watching outside of the United States or listening outside of the United States, they would know this movie as California Man. Is that really what it is? Overseas? Yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. That's I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's it's what it is, but it, it just there's so much, and I completely forgot. Obviously, I remember the plot of the movie, but I, I forgot, A, that Sean Astin was the main character. For some reason, I was all I was putting Brendan Fraser and Paulie Shore in there, and that was it. Like, nobody else. I forgot that Sean Astin was in that. Now, yeah. the problem is, though, Sean Astin is possibly the least likable main character in the history of the world, and I'm including the board cardboard cutout that is in The Stars and Grind. <laughs> <laughs> Like Sean Astin's character is such a dick and a weird, creepy stalker in this movie. And we're supposed to think it's cute. (laughs) On the other end of that, this is underrated movie bully. I'm going to say underrated movie bully. (laughs) Now, this is Michael DeLuise. This is the legendary Dom DeLuise. is one of his kids. Now, Michael DeLuise does have my biggest laugh of this movie, and it happens in the beginning. It's when um, Robin, who is the love interest, uh, Sean has character, just kind of looking, and he looks at her, and then all, from off screen, Michael DeLuise's <laughs> character, character slides in the frame and just starts shaking his head. <laughs> I was laughing my ass off. <laughs> It's like that is such a great, like, lineless delivery. Yeah. It's, it's almost like your dad did it, man. I can see your dad doing that. <laughs> yeah. he, and he's actually, like, not like a total idiot bully either. He's just a complete psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> like, in fact, if you look at the average intelligence of a character in this movie, he's probably above average. Oh yeah, he's definitely going to UCLA. <laughs> you know, he's not he's not maybe not Stanford material, but he's definitely going to UCLA. At least one of the offshoot campuses of UCLA. Yeah, or maybe Cal. Like he might yeah. be going to Cal, you know. But um it's or it, it probably is where he's gonna end up is San Diego State. He's definitely oh, yeah. gonna I would say Aztec. San Diego State, probably. <laughs> he's definitely going to San Diego State. Um, but the weird like there's so many weird things in this movie that are so it's weird product placement, but it's also something that only the nineties would attempt. Now, the first thing, what I mean by that is it's when Paulie Shore and Sean Astor are going to school and they arrive on Paulie Shore's, um, Stoney is his character. Of course it is. They arrive on his scooter. Now this is presumably eight o'clock in the morning, like the beginning of the school day. Sean Astin is just chowing down on a big ass bag of Doritos. <laughs> this is a breakfast for this child <laughs> and stony of course being stony has no problem with it but no one else is looking at him like is this fucking idiot eating doritos for breakfast <laughs> i, I know this is california but come on character is such an asshole in this movie because like i always saw sean Aston as like such a wholesome character he's just always wholesome but think about it that's probably because you've seen him in lord of the rings where he is a wholesome 
great little psychic character. But think of the roles that we've talked about him in, in this on this show. He's very much two assholes to one because this, he's an asshole. Rudy, he is an yeah. insufferable prick. <laughs> so Rudy I would say have, like the Goonies where <laughs> I'd say he's probably better at playing a complete asshole because he tries to play it genuine in those roles and it does not come across that way. <laughs> uh, and then you also get Doug in uh, 50 First Dates. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's been probably since that movie came out, since I've seen that movie. I don't remember. I remember him more from recently from Stranger Things. And he also had a brief role as a guest starring role in an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And he was fairly funny in that. <laughs> but based on what we've talked about him on this show, as far as Happy Hour Films are concerned, he's two dicks to one. <laughs> you know, to one good guy. <laughs> Now, does playing that good guy three movies in a row outweigh that? I don't know. <laughs> but also, if you look at good guy minutes, like those three movies account for like 10 in Tina, man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> there's a bit of a, a bit of a difference. But um, then uh, there's just so much about this movie that it's like, of course, this is there's a lot of questions like i don't think that's how that works is essentially like a lot of time i found myself asking that a lot one you don't just dig a hole in your backyard and fill it with a hose and call it a pool (laughs) you just don't do that and then but i believe that these morons thought that that oh yeah 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 Oh, absolutely. I don't believe that the rest of the high school would come over for the party of the century for it. I think they'd probably get there and be like, uh, no, (laughs) this isn't a pool. (laughs) You don't have a pool. I don't know what you're trying to pull over, but you don't have a pool. But then there's the fact that these guys are supposed to be idiots. We're supposed to be like lovable morons or whatever. When they discover uh, Link, Brendan Fraser, in his ice cube in the pool base bottom of of the hole, they build like an excavation rig to get this guy out of there. And it's like a professional dig level machine here that they have cobbled together between like a, like a swing set, a bucket and like a rope and pulley. You know, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of MacGyvering going on with these alleged morons, you know? So the most insufferable part of this movie is obviously Paulie Shore doing the whole, uh, the Paulie Shore thing. <laughs> yeah, where it's just, oh, he's Southern California. He's going to say jive, and and you won't understand a word he says because it's all slang that I'm not – I was not alive in 1992. I hope they didn't do that. <laughs> no, and the weirdest thing is it's it's what people have called Paulie speak. It's literally just the way Paulie Shore talks. I don't think anyone ever called any like food ever called it grindage. I don't think that was any ever a word. Whereas in apparently clueless, that's essentially what we're looking at for high school kids there. Like that's how kids talk or at least attempted to sound like not Encino man with his fucking weasel nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see the, the South Park episode prehistoric Iceman? I, I vaguely remember it, yeah. It's... Where they, so that episode came out in 1999. I'm sure Encino Man probably was partial inspiration for that episode. I'm sure it was full inspiration of it, but there was also a, a weird run of it discovering cave, frozen cavemen, too. <laughs> like, they, we did that a couple times, I think. Yeah. 
and they unfreeze the guy and he was actually frozen from like 1996. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. But and then of course then there's just the simple fact of how they find Brendan Fraser. The hole that uh Sean Aston has dug for his pool can't be more than seven feet deep, if that. Mm-hmm. He's using a ladder to get out of it, and it doesn't look like a 10-foot ladder. Like, he's using a short, like, almost step stool to get out of that hole. So, let's say he's seven feet deep. A, what kind of codes they're violating by doing that? Oh, probably all of them. <laughs> and then, of course, it's Southern California. That is not still an iceberg, an ice a block of ice. I am sorry. <laughs> Especially not that shallow in the earth. <laughs> yeah. And of right. course, now to find out that there's also another one, like just to the left, apparently that they don't discover until the end <laughs> when she breaks herself out, which I'm guessing is because the California sun hit her <laughs> and just melted it. Yeah. yeah. Now the best part of the movie is Brendan Fraser. Absolutely. That man is a fucking treasure. <laughs> and I hate the fact that he got blacklisted from Hollywood for trying oh to God. blow a whistle on some perverts, you know, fuck that shit fucking tragedy that he did not that and i'm glad the internet is supporting his career revival (laughs) oh absolutely yeah i haven't watched doom patrol but apparently he's good in it you know (laughs) and like just i think he's going to be in whatever tarantino's doing next or i saw something he was doing something next of like being in something good you know like a movie with like a movie with like some prestige to it not just like you know straight to netflix or anything like that yeah yeah and Honestly, like him as Link is perfect. Like the way he plays it all, it's he doesn't get many lines, but he gets like he does perfect physical comedy. Like you believe that everyone likes this guy. Absolutely, because how could you not? Like he's such a cool like caveman dude that they think he's from Estonia. <laughs> and 1992 Brandon Fraser is a hunk. <laughs> like they those guys were right to try and make him his friend to be popular. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Now, of course, there is just the general, you know, it's it's the classic uh, time traveler paradox. Like if you were to pull somebody from like 1925, let's say 1925, you pull them into present day and you show them something like a Marvel movie or Transformers, their goddamn heads would explode, would just explode into giant pieces. So when a caveman suddenly finds himself in 1992 face-to-face with a trash truck, he's having a heart attack. He is not fighting that thing with a shovel. He is dying on the spot. (laughs) Now, there is the argument that their brain wasn't advanced enough for him to be sufficiently scared enough to have said heart attack. I mean, yeah, I guess you could go with that, but still... I think just the the simple shock of the world around him would probably at least render him catatonic for a little bit. (laughs) But, like, comparing it to Grind, you even get a dance scene. (laughs) Yeah, you get, like, the the caveman dance or whatever, and it's, 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 oh, man, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, but it's thing, the thing is, let's think about, like, Anybody else, of course, at the time, you'd be like, who else could we put in this role? I don't think I'm getting anybody else that'd be as good as Brendan Fraser, you know? Yeah, it would definitely be tough. He's just the guy. Like, and then you, but the weirdest thing is that we got like, quote unquote, baby Brendan Fraser here. 
Yeah. And he hasn't quite become the hunk that he becomes, you know? And especially we're talking like school Todd. No, it's is it school days? It's school days for him, right? The one where he's like mm-hmm. the Jewish football player in like the Catholic private school and something yeah. like that. And then of course, then we get the mummy where he's like sexified sexiest man in the world you know just adventurer you know and then you look at this and you go wait how did this happen (laughs) you know how did that guy start as this you know i mean i get the acting in the physical comedy i see why he's funny but i wouldn't exactly peg this guy to be a heartthrob later you know (laughs) wait the fact that the band that was playing at the uh is infectious grooves Yes, but do you know who that band is made up of? Uh, it's made up of Suicidal Tendencies. Isn't Absolutely. the basis from Metallica? Robert Trujillo, who was in Suicidal Tendencies at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Mike uh, Moir is the um, is the vocalist. And I think yeah. there's a, one of the guitar players and bass players is from Suicidal Tendencies as well. Mm-hmm. You also had ex-Faith no, no More guitarist. Yep. Yeah, it's like a super group. of Avenged Sevenfold drummer. Yeah. Is that the Rev? I don't, I don't know if that's the Rev or not, but it might be the current. He might have eventually become the current event Sevenfold drummer. I don't uh, think he's the, the late. Wackerman. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think. Name. <laughs> I don't, yeah, right. I don't think that's I don't think that's the Rev because um, they're one of their uh, drummers is dead. And um, it's uh, yeah. And it's, it's it's so he took over. He was suicidal. Ten tendencies drummer from 1996 to 2001 bad religion drummer from 2001 to 2015 he played with tenacious d from 2006 to 2015 and he took over an event sevenfold in 2015 yeah there you go yeah a lot of those a lot of those dudes like especially if you're a drummer you kind of floated around and like were pieced into a lot of places that needed drummers you know yeah. usually the drummer from filter is the guy that got like put in everywhere because you know filter was kind of like famously unreliable so he liked having like a steady career so he was kind of like yeah i'll play drums for whoever it doesn't matter <clears throat> but then of course then there's 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 a commercial or at least a band playing on tv i think it's mtv it's fucking sacred reich sacred reich was one is one of the best like old school thrash metal bands they're not like slayer or anybody but it's it's just a really good like like not power metal but like good heavy metal like move like music it's just really good and i was like oh shit how'd they make it in there <laughs> the soundtrack is pretty good for this movie it's not bad i mean aside from i mean of course it's 1992 you had to by law i think include rights head fred i'm too sexy i think you had to or else yeah. your movie couldn't get released and then the rest of that soundtrack is actually not terrible. It's actually pretty good. And if I'm at that prom and that band comes out, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a prom. All right, we're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Rob Trujillo crab walking around my high school stage. That'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's. I don't know what to make of this movie. Uh, if I'm being honest, I just do not know what to make of it. <laughs> well, we got to break down who we actually have in this movie. Outside of our principal cast that we've talked about, we've talked about um, Paul Shore, we've talked about Sean Astin, we talked about Brendan Fraser. Now, of course, who plays uh, Sean Astin's dad? Richard Mazur, who we have previously talked about in The Thing. <laughs> he's the he's the dog trainer in that. 
And then we have, of course, um, Michael DeLuise, um as the bully. We have generic white actress uh, as Robin. I think that's her legitimate birth name, too. <laughs> and Megan then, Ward plays Robin. Right. And then who is the friend? I'm, I'm, I'm stumbling on the, Ella, um, the actress's name. Uh, Robin Tooney. Robin Tunney. Yeah, that's Tunney. right. If you've ever seen um, Empire Records, she's the girl that shaves her head in the, in the in one part of it. And then, of course, there's uh, Rick Dockerman or uh, Duckamon, I think. I can't remember how to pronounce his name. He's, he's no longer with us. He's great. He's also in Die Hard. He's the power plant guy that has to shut down the grid. <laughs> and he's stuck. He's in the manhole. He's like, I can't just shut. shut. I, got, I got it right here. I got the switch right here. You don't need to call anybody. I got the switch right here. And then there's... K uh Kwan. Uh, he's better known as Short Round from in uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And then there's my favorite part of this. We have the first on-screen uh, uh theatrical appearance of one Rose McGowan in this movie. <laughs> and she actually gets two lines and if you want to do the time with her, the timeline with her, this should have been right around the time where she was about to be harassed by Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> so it's like, welcome to Hollywood. Guess what's going to happen to you? Oh, it's a damn shame. <laughs> you got sick. You got what? Four more years until you get scream Rose. <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> but I mean, I saw her pop up. I was like, holy shit. Rose McGowan. <laughs> Definitely don't remember her. It's been forever. Now, do you also know who was considered for the role of Link in this movie, allegedly? No. Two very, 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 very famous actors. One of which, at the time, would have been, this probably would have been close to a breakthrough role for him. One, James Carey. <laughs> Jim Carey as Link would have probably been way too much. <laughs> yeah. I think we would have been way too much with him as Link. Now, yeah, we have... Sure. We have previously mentioned him. We did an entire month dedicated to him. We just mentioned him for the last movie. Nicolas Cage was also uh, fucking considered for Link. Can you imagine Nick Cage in 1992 playing Link in this movie? <laughs> now, what year did Vampire come out? That was before. I think that was 89. I think that was Vampire's Kiss was 89. But think about that. Just think about Nicolas Cage as Link in this movie. There's no way the two are, compar are comparable. No. You cannot compare those two. Like, they're wildly different characters. <laughs> no. You can't, because, like, he would be three years older in this than he was in Vampire. 88 like, Vampire's Kiss, so it's four yeah. years. But still, like, think about just the way he would have played it. <laughs> it's, I don't even know how he would have done it. But it just looks like, like Brendan Fraser, at least like in the land of movies, you could buy as a high school kid. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That would have been that would have been a very different uh strategy of trying to get him to fit in with modern society. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's there there were there were a bunch of there but there was one part, there were a couple of parts where I was like, okay, that's that's fairly funny. Like, um, the, well, especially the one thing that made me actually made me like a legitimate laugh is when they go to the bar and like the Mexican dude, like the gang members um, are getting pleasure drunk and all that. But when 
the Mexican dude gets slapped and turns to cry on his friend's shoulder. That had me laughing far too hard than it should have. Yeah. <laughs> the way he gets slapped and then just kind of like pouts and turns and starts to cry. <laughs> I was like, no, that's good. That's good character acting from this guy who knows he's not going to be doing much in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this this movie is, it's a time capsule. It is a time capsule from 1992. Absolutely, yeah. And then, of course, we have at the very end, the movie does, of course, end with the end, dot, 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 buddy, like B-U-D hyphen D-Y, so a fuck you. And then... Paulie Shore comes back on screen for a little stinger with the Terminator glasses on and says, I'll be back. It's like, oh, fuck you. Dude, that's an act of terrorism right there. <laughs> and of course, he would be back <laughs> far that's, too many times. <laughs> as I know recently, like, when I was Googling and seeing a man to find out where to, uh, where to stream it, of course, the thing pops up with Paulie Shore on the Joe Rogan podcast. Oh God! I'm like <laughs> I, I did, I didn't watch it. I don't think I could get through it. I don't. It's probably like a six-hour interview about nothing, <laughs> and about how he's the daughter, uh, he's the son of Mitzi Shore, who's famous for opening the comedy store and launching all these careers and all that. I mean, well, what are we doing? What what the fuck are we doing with Pauly Shore? Should have never been a thing. Just should have never been a thing. That's, <laughs> I, I, family Guy, an early episode of Family Guy, Brian is on trial to see if he's qualified to raise puppies. And he's like, what movie did you rent? He's like, I think it was Encino Man. He's like, Encino Man. And who does Encino Man star? Uh, Paulie Shore. Paulie Shore. <laughs> now, does that sound like someone who's qualified to raise kids? Exactly. Yes, that's that's exactly right. That that should be the test. That should be the test if you're going to have kids. Like, would you show a child and see no man? No. Congratulations. Procreate. <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> Castration <laughs> to the other line. <laughs> in, in fact, there's a. I'll send you the clip for that. There's a chance that that is the show opener because yeah, funny. we'll see what happens. But uh, all right, so are we even gonna try to scale Encino Man? Uh, it's definitely in the negatives for me. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a hard watch. It's not it, Bolero it, hard, but it's 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 mildly amusing. I'm gonna say like maybe a negative four. Yeah. I'm around that. I'm probably around. Hey, it's definitely an easier watch than like Ghost Ship, but yeah. I would say it's around the same difficulty as Thirteen Ghosts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I'm probably more closer to zero with it, like like negative two or three, simply for the fact that Sean Astin is so unlikable. You know, yeah. and it's it's like you suck. You're not even bad. Suck. You know, you're like you're entertainingly sucky. You just suck. You know, but. uh Yes, that was a tough one. So, how's your beer, Mike? Doing good. Um, probably a little bit more than halfway done. My concoction always hard to tell with the fishbowl. <laughs> yep. And well, didn't um, we yeah, figure I, that I, it's I, like three beers? What? It's like three beers or so. Uh, yeah, I think I pushed it to the limit where it almost fits four. All right, all right, all right. I'd say it's probably around fifty-six ounces. It can nice. Be. Yeah, there you go. 
That's a good little uh, good little chalice. Yeah, yeah, it's solid. And uh, yeah, I like the mixture better than either individual beer. Nice. So Sorbamba, I'm just not the biggest fan of stouts. And Broken Skull IPA, I'm like, it's a generic IPA. There's nothing that great about it. It's very hoppy. Broken glass. Here comes Stone Cold in a mic room. Stone Cold comes in. <laughs> I get hit stunner. with a stunner. Right, Mike and stun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, my Rogue Honey Colch is uh, really good, and uh, apparently I should be pairing it with prosciutto, grilled trout, or bananas Foster. That's a uh, the suggestion on the can. Um, so. Why don't we get into the movie that I think I think is probably one of my favorites of of the month, if not the favorite, because it is double team. It is 1997. It is 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. So we're not ending with a zero, which we probably should have, even though Bolero is unwatchable. But it's directed by this guy. Uh, I think it's Sui Hark. I think it's his name. I mean, I've also seen Hark Sui, but... He also did Knock Off with, J- with JCVD and a shitload of Chinese action movies. Like, uh, Hong Kong action is this guy. And it shows in this because the action scenes aren't terrible. They're not great, but they're not terrible. They're very much Hong Kong action, especially the guy with the toe knife. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm going to say this right off the bat. This is probably going to have the highest negative rating of... <laughs> It's 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 quite amazing because, like we mentioned before, the co-star in this is Dennis Rodman. Now, now, I was upset because I'm going through, like, the first 45, 50 minutes, and I've only got five minutes of Rodman, maybe. Yeah, he does disappear for a good portion of the first half of the movie. But, and of course, the other side of that coin is we don't get enough of Mickey Rourke, the villain. Yeah. Now, do you know the story of Mickey Rourke and this movie? No. All right. So Mickey Rourke, as we can see in the final battle scene, is absolutely jacked in this movie. He is cut, shredded, and jacked. He went through self-imposed, like, very rigorous martial arts training and workout regimen to be in this movie. Now, I'm willing to bet it's probably because he saw Jean-Claude Van Damme. It was like, no, he can't be better looking than me in this movie. <laughs> so I got to get in shape too. So we super jacked. Now the weirdest thing is he's only shirtless and fighting in that one scene at the end. And for some reason, they're all shirtless and fighting in that scene. They all, and they all initially have shirts. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they just disappear at some point. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Dennis Rodman in this movie. They just vanished. Now but, that's so this movie is a tale of two halves. Because I'm gonna be honest, the first half fucking sucks. And like not as so bad, it's good sucks. Like the premise of the island doesn't make any goddamn sense at all. Well, why is it even in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't need to be there. Um, the first the first action scene, which is actually not a terrible action scene, just cuts away and it's three years later and n- it's never brought up again. It's never okay. brought up again. <laughs> first off, all right, well, we're going to bring it up a lot right now because that opening action scene, well, it's not quite opening action scene. The main beginning of the movie action scene takes place in two different locations, one of which is at like a fair, like a county fair or whatever, where 
uh, Mickey Rourke's son gets shot and killed. Now, Stavros, which is Mickey Rourke's character, th- blames it on JCVD, who I'm fairly certain is not the one that kills his son in that, in yeah. that scene. <laughs> and two, that scene ends in a maternity ward. <laughs> and yes, there are babies everywhere. <laughs> Not a nurse to be found, but there are rooms full of babies and they are being thrown, slid, grenades put in their little cribs. It's all there. (laughs) And and it's ricochet levels of insanity right there. (laughs) I'm gonna say so I'm gonna say there there is a bell curve of how insane like a quality of movie versus insanity. There's a bell curve where you need to be like you hit a peak, and then when you go past that peak, the movie decreases in quality. This is only like Ricochet is close to the peak of the bell curve, and this movie is a decent amount after in terms of drop off of quality. <laughs> Absolutely, like it briefly hits that peak, and then it drops. But the then the ending, weird thing is, the ending hits the peak. The ending comes right back up. <laughs> <laughs> the ending comes right back up. Now, the 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 whole premise of this movie is Jean-Claude Van Damme is on a ton of coke and he's trying to act like he's not. <laughs> now, that was that's openly him him saying that too. He has openly said about this movie that he was on way too much cocaine. <laughs> and it absolutely shows. <laughs> because everyone in this movie sounds like Tommy Wiseau too. <laughs> That's like Ricochet. You at least have that, like, even in a silly role like Ricochet, Denzel is still a great actor and can anchor a movie. Jean Claude Van Damme is not. (laughs) Well, and and, then, well, that's the thing. I mean, I he can anchor a movie, it just has to be a Jean Claude Van Damme action movie, you know, it it has to be Bloodsport. He is great in Bloodsport simply for the fact that he is Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's all he is in that movie. And then I will say, and we will do it one time because Mike and I are like trying to plan out of next few months of themes or whatever. One of those themes I proposed is action movies. And I swear I want to bring him back because the movie Time Cop is a perfect Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, but it's also a perfect like action movie, like 90s action movie. It's so dumb. It's so stupid. But yet all of it is the perfect type of 90s action, dumb and stupid. You know, it works on every level. Jean-Claude Van Damme works perfectly in that. And he does it twice because he plays twins. (laughs) Now, in this movie, it doesn't really work because, A, this movie, I think the Hong Kong action influence is there. But it's weird because you can see like the... Jean-Claude Van Damme Hollywood interference as well like the scenes on the island for some reason it movie becomes the movie the prisoner for no reason and the island is just made up of all these ex-special forces assassins whoever guys that were like faked their death and were brought back to life to some reason live on this island and try to solve the world's like terrorist problems and terrorists are part of the like you have terrorists there (laughs) but what are they actually doing like they're not influencing world events they're analyzing world events so they're trying to figure out why shit's happening 
but it's already happened. So it's like, it's not like you can do anything. They're just literally almost watching the so, news. <laughs> and then like the island is for people that it's like supposed to be like too important to let die or too valuable to let die, but too dangerous to be let free. So they're like trying to make use of their skills. But the reason John, like, why is John Claude Van Damme there? They're like, oh, you went soft. Well, he retired. You let him retire, right? You let well, him retire. <laughs> the last thing he does before, quote unquote, going soft is saving a baby from being blown up by a grenade and taking that explosion in the yeah. back. <laughs> you know, how did he go soft in that? <laughs> how is that not the hardest thing that that man's actually probably done? <laughs> <laughs> The, so again the entire first half of this movie is garbage like just kick it to the curb throw it away i don't want any of it <laughs> the only thing i would keep of it is the introduction of dennis rodman because he's playing dennis rodman <laughs> and again they want to remind you that he's a basketball player as much as they can <laughs> but they make no mention of the character being a bas basketball player it's all basketball jokes for yeah. an alleged ex-special forces assassin who now like, is like a black market gun runner <laughs> he is not an ex-nba player or yeah. ex-basketball player who's running guns he's just a dude that happens and, to be tall <laughs> and there's specific jokes about rodman career like it's like <laughs> offense gets the glory but defense wins the game <laughs> he makes a joke about getting fined at one point <laughs> like, wait <laughs> by who <laughs> who's gonna find you <laughs> it's, it's not, i mean yes the police could potentially do that but the reason you'd be fined is not a findable offense it's a go to jail offense <laughs> Now, my, the, the, my best part about Rodman, obviously, is the fact that it's Dennis Rodman. The dude is endlessly fascinating to me just because he's so fucking weird. I don't understand how someone like him exists. Like, I don't get it. I don't exactly understand it. But that's the draw of him. You don't know how this man exists and you don't know what he's going to do next, especially when he played. When he was on the court, he's the greatest rebounder of all time. Now, when he was off the court, you not even his teammates, I don't even think he knew, or Carmen Electra, the woman he was constantly deep inside of, I don't think she knew what he was going to do next. Now, the craziest part is, in this movie, he's wearing these Oakley sunglasses for most of his first scene. You can't see his face, you can't see his eyes, nothing. And it's just like... This is a man who wears these sunglasses. Now, Dennis Rodman's most famous trait to anybody who's never watched basketball is the fact, but knows of him, is the fact that he dyed his hair different crazy thing, colors and styles and all that. He dyes and changes his hair in this movie probably six times over the course of five scenes. <laughs> and they're like back to back to back. He, his hair changes color with the scene that he's in. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So... The next thing I expect Dennis Rodman to do is to challenge Vladimir Putin to a Taekwondo match. That's my bet on his next 
that's if you can keep him from like playing basketball with Kim Jong Il, you know. <laughs> if you can stop him from going on vacation in North Korea, he might actually try to do some diplomacy. But of course, he's not gonna because he's too busy focusing on North Korea. <laughs> but now, can we talk about the cyber monks? <laughs> okay. Yes, we have to talk about the cyber monks because they play a role in the movie Simon Says. Now, in this, there are his hacker buddies. There, of course, there are um, Yaz is the character's name. They are like his his connection to everything. He can they can get him anything. The weirdest thing is in the movie Simon Says, Simon, Dennis Robbins' character, is essentially Yaz. He's not Yaz, though. They're the two are not connected, but he's the same character. He's got two buddies that are tech, his tech guys. They are monks in that movie. Now, the weirdest goddamn thing is, I'm watching this, and I've been watching, this is the second time I was watching this, seen it after Simon Says, I'm thinking about I'm like, wait a minute. Were the monks Rodman's idea? <laughs> like, was he, is that like his thing? <laughs> like, when he made Simon Says after this, were they like, so Dennis, you have any creative input? And he's like, monks. I need monks. And they're like, what are you talking about? Hacker monks. Hacker monks. I need them. I need tech monks. I need these guys to be monks and good with computers. It's like, uh, okay. (laughs) Sort of thing. Ross, I think think we should co-write Hackers 2, Cyber Monks. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I would love to have Matthew Lillard back as a monk. (laughs) Matthew Lillard is getting recruited to be part of the Cyber Monks. Dude, that would be awesome. That would be fucking or, amazing. Or Matthew Lillard is actually like the cyber monks send people out into the world to join hacker communities and find recruits. And Matthew Lillard is who they sent out to. Uh, <laughs> or Angelina Jolie. They sent her out too. <laughs> I, I think Matthew Lillard is closer to a cyber monk than Angelina Jolie. And I think he's recruiting Angelina Jolie. In, in, okay, in Simon Says. I can't remember the damn comedian's name, but he's he's no longer again. He's no longer. There's a lot of dead people that we're talking about in these movies. It's the and, '90s. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, I think his name is John Panette. John Panette. Was, yeah, I know John Panette. Yeah. He's uh, the guy who always he's like they say all you can eat, but they try to kick me out. Right. He was he, he was famous for being a big fat guy. That's that's what he was. And yes, he, he actually does solid stand-up. I like his stand-up. Oh, he was very funny. He was very funny. And he's fun, actually, weirdly enough, he's funny in Simon Says for the most part. They, there are a lot of scenes where you can tell that someone was like, just keep ad-libbing. Just go until we've got enough footage to fill in wherever. And then they just, for some reason, kept it all. But yeah, so he was very funny. The weird thing is, though, Dane Cook is also in that fucking movie. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Dane Cook, this I blame you, Dennis Rodman, for Dane Cook. I blame you for that plague that was unleashed on us in the late 90s and early 2000s. But watching this, and I completely forgot what got me on this on this rant, but John Panette, it's like, okay, he's trying, you know? Dennis Rodman in both of these movies, more so in this, well, more so in Simon Says, is not trying. In this movie, you can tell that he's at least kind of trying because this is the first of the two. So I'm guessing that they kind of had a little bit of a handle on him and were like, look, dude, maybe we can make you an action star. Just 
try. So you know, he kind of does, and it's better than Simon says. You know, I Michael Jordan got Space Jam. I think we should give Dennis Rodman. Like, instead of Space Jam 2 starring LeBron James, it should have been Dennis Rodman with the characters of Cool World. That would be a movie that I would watch so many times. <laughs> Homeland Security would have to come to my house and tell me to stop. <laughs> Netflix would be calling to check on you like, hey, Yep. You uh, you stream this movie nine hundred times this year. <laughs> Are you okay? I'm like, I am fine because I'm constantly watching the Dennis Rodman <laughs> Cool World movie. <laughs> the, I am the most happy and fine person on the in the world. <laughs> and Brad Pitt still has to be in it, <laughs> right? Yeah, he somehow his contract for the original Cool World has like a sneaky clause for a sequel <laughs> starring Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman <laughs> just do a basketball movie involving the characters of Cool World. You you are required to play the Bill Murray role. <laughs> well, that's the thing. If the contract for Cool World for Brad Pitt could have had that clause because Dennis Rodman was playing at the Pistons at the time. <laughs> he very well could have done it. <laughs> that would have been awesome. But back to, like, with this movie, there are so many, there's so many weird 90s action things like the beginning they have the hot female assassin she's a sniper and she's supposed to shoot stavros from miles away or whatever in during this carnival and john claude van damme asher is like sir you you good with that sniper rifle answer and she goes with this i can shoot the dick off a hummingbird it's like okay great line i get it but does she ever actually get to shoot that thing no, she gets shot through the eyepiece and dies <laughs> almost immediately. <laughs> and she's like, again, she's one of the others that sounds just like Tommy Wiseau in this movie. <laughs> and that the acting in this movie is bad, really, really bad. <laughs> Subpar is being generous. <laughs> but uh, also, you know about the skydiving scene where they don't have parachutes, they skydive into a fucking basketball <laughs> right exactly and then there's no mention of his character ever playing basketball even casually like a pickup game at some point <laughs> now what's even more offensive that they skydive into a basketball because dennis rodman is the one skydiving is how easily they just like the basketball doesn't bounce they nope. just kind of tear the basketball up and like that's not saving you you would have died on impact yeah absolutely and then and that's the thing with two of you in there right exactly <laughs> like he's supposed to be like this tech genius too because he he's, he's famous he's in this movie his big quote is of course i don't know what works i designed it it's like did you test this no i designed it it's like okay I th i'm pretty sure edison and tesla tested their inventions you know before they actually used them you know to see if they would work <laughs> but then one of my one of uh, there's so many so many things in this movie and most of it happens in the beginning when they're at the carnival they're at the fair there, for some reason, is a tiger in a cage there. And it's right next to Mickey Rourke as Stavros. Everyone else in Jean-Claude Van Damme's little party and crew is hidden throughout this, like, like, entire carnival. At one point, the tiger rats them out. He does, like, the whole, like, eye shift to the right, and Stavros follows it and sees Jean-Claude Van Damme. So it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
why is the tiger on his side? Is that his buddy who shows up later at the end of the Apparently movie? Apparently not, because he's <laughs> going to eat him at the end. Well, that's the thing. It's like, wait, what relationship do Stavros and this tiger have that Stavros he can bring him back secretly, at the end? <laughs> Stavros is secretly Joe Exotic or one of the clients of Joe Exotic. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Carol Baskins. <laughs> John Claude Van Damme as Carol Baskin. <laughs> It'd be a hell of a lot better than whatever that Peacock show is with Kate McKinnon. <laughs> I, I still just want a movie about the cyber monks. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's you could put them and the two characters from Simon Says together in the same movie, and it would probably be much better. You know, if it's, it's, oh God, that movie, I am not recommending Simon Says, but I'm almost recommending it to see how, just to see how terrible things could have been with this movie. Had we made Dennis Rodman the star, you know? And the weirdest thing is the weirdest thing is Dennis Rodman just to like, if you watch interviews with that guy, most recently in The Last Stand, that documentary about Michael Jordan, if you watch interviews with this guy, he's a weirdly charismatic guy. Like, you're like, oh my God, I definitely could see how Carmen Electra, probably before she saw, I'm guessing the size of his gigantic dick, was like, hey, this dude's charming as fuck. Oh, wait. He's got a massive hog, too. I think I'm going to be good with this. You know, he probably got her with words first. And then, so, like, you can see the charisma on screen with him briefly at times in this movie. And then the actor kicks in, and you're like, well, he's just a terrible fucking actor. So this is taking yeah. all of that away. <laughs> you know, all of it away. <laughs> and now, we haven't even talked about the ending that much. And that it's easily the best part of the movie. It's like the most over-the-top action ending I can think of. And, uh, it, like, it's a, like, the movie itself is pretty bad. At least the first 50 minutes of it <laughs> is not great. So, we're talking about the tiger scene in the Coliseum, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, Stavros has all of these landmines, for some reason, buried in the floor of the Colosseum, you know, the historical landmark of the Colosseum. And he's got little crosses buried, like, right next to where the landmines are. Now, one of the big twists in this movie, spoiler alert, is that Dennis Rodman at one point moves the crosses into wrong spots. Therefore, Stavros steps on a mine, JCVD doesn't, whatever. But at one point in this, in this scene, a tiger is about to attack Mickey Rourke. Now, Mickey Rourke is standing on a landmine when this happens. He gets this, like, tearful look in his eye, like, almost as if he doesn't want to explode but also doesn't want to explode the tiger with him because, you know, the tiger helped him out before. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, he's killing his best friend with him. And then this tiger obliterated by this landmine, but what ultimately saves the day? The Coca-Cola machine. Absolutely. (laughs) It is not John Van Damme. It is not Dennis Rodman. It is a Coca-Cola vending machine. (laughs) And you know, it really, It really warms my heart that whoever wrote Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was like, hey, soda machines can block explosions. 
They have refrigerators in them, right? Maybe a refrigerator can stop a nuclear bomb. And that would be so great if Spielberg was inspired by Double Team to write that scene. So, Steven, explain your inspiration for the having Indy hide in a fridge. Well, one night I was watching this movie Double Team with Jacques Van Damme and Dennis Rodman, and it features a very heroic Coke machine. I wanted now, to capture that essence. You can really say... Coke and Coke saved the day because they were all on Coke and the Coke machine. <laughs> also, yep. also, the, the ending scene with Dennis Rodman, he's like, all right, you stay, or you stay and take care of my wife. I'll go after him. Okay. Then Dennis Rodman follows him. Well, no one's taking care of the, the wife. All right. You take my baby and go to safety and I'll go get him. Nope, Dennis Rodman appears shirtless <laughs> very shortly after, and the baby is in immediate danger of the explosion from the land. He hides the baby in like a hole in the wall. <laughs> he just kind of puts him in like a little black basket. He's like, here you go. Stay right here. I'll be fine. We'll be right back for you. And then, of course, he loses that baby because, of course, he would. <laughs> and then Guy from the Island shows up to <laughs> take care of the baby <laughs> right now who is that uh who is that actor it's his name is paul freeman do you know what other role he plays he his most indiana famously jones. his most famous role he was in an indiana jones movie wasn't he He was he's in raiders of the lost ark he's belloc yeah <laughs> belosh belloc it's pronounced belloc <laughs> but yeah now my favorite part about him Paul Freeman's IMDb picture is from this movie. <laughs> it's in that little seat that they have with the glasses that come over their face. That's his That's his profile picture, and it cracks me up. I was like, you know, there's no way that he picked that. <laughs> Someone else absolutely saw that. If it was up to Paul Freeman, they'd be like, all right, Belloc, obviously, put him as my picture. No, no, you want double team. <laughs> that's yeah. the one that people will know you from. <laughs> I mean, it's, oh my God, it's, there's so much, <laughs> my, I think one of my favorite things is other than the, uh, the maternity ward fight, there's two things. Mm -hmm. One of which is Mickey Rourke's line where he's talking just in the maternity ward. He's talking to JCB day and he's saying, he's talking about the, the, his son being shot and all that, how he used to ride this pony or this horse or whatever. And he says, that little horse is going to miss my boy. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> are you are you suggesting that that horse is going to ask you where your son is? <laughs> like, why isn't your son here? <laughs> and then at the end, Jean-Claude Van Damme is running into the Coliseum. He gets tripped and slides on his face a solid 40 feet. <laughs> And it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen on camera <laughs> because his arms are like at his side. He's just sliding along his face like with no momentum whatsoever. But he goes a solid 40 feet, <laughs> a solid 40 feet. And I'd like to think that John Cobain was so coked up that they've timed it perfectly for when he crashed <laughs> and tripped him. And that's just him passed out, like sliding across the floor of the Coliseum. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, the end credit song, which we would be very remiss had we not mentioned. Uh, it's by a woman named Crystal Waters. She was a 90s star. 
and of course dennis rodman has a little bit of a guest on that song where his uh where his famous line and that is in between her legs are the family jewels and it's like um is this a song about drag queens <laughs> uh i know, I mean, there- he does work in a uh he does work in a drag queen bar <laughs> he's got cyber monks and drag queens as his assistants and i was like this is this is dennis rodman if anyone ever needed an explanation of what who or what dennis rodman was this is what you show them. <laughs> you show drag queens and cyber monks. And for some reason it works. <laughs> you know, <laughs> some reason it gets the point across as to who that man is. But all right, so with double team Mike, where on this for this final movie of Rotten March, where would you slide this scale? Okay. I'm gonna go. It's heavy negative. It's heavy negative. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely so bad it's good. I'm torn between a negative six and a negative seven. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm up there, too. I'd say it's probably an eight for me, closer to the closer to the room, you know, because it's it's one of those action 90s action movies where like this shouldn't exist. And it's just so dumb, but there's so much in it that makes it perfect. Like it just makes it an amazing watch. The beginning is what like the first half of the movie. I'm like, this is terrible. But then I get to the second half of the movie. I'm like, this is awesome. And if they had the same energy as the second half of the movie, the entire way through, it would probably have gone to negative eight to negative 10 somewhere between those. Right. So um, if I'm just judging the second half of the movie, I'm like negative nine. But if I'm judging the first half of the movie, I'm like negative three. So yeah, I'm does, probably going to land negative six. Yeah, it does. Uh, it does fuck up the curve a little bit on the grading scale. Uh, that first, I mean, because you start off so well with that maternity ward fight. Yeah, we got we got crying, actual crying babies like flying around that fucking thing. But then, of course, we spend like 45 minutes on the island and. Why Jean-Claude Van Damme chops his own fingerprint off to try to fool this machine that he has to get, get scanned by or else he blows up or some shit. I don't know. But it's like, why are what this is a different movie? Why is this yeah. here? This this is a separate Jean-Claude Van Damme movie that belongs elsewhere. Like, what's going on here? Yeah. But it's just it's 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 one of those movies where it's like, oh, Dennis Rodman? Sure. <laughs> Let's see what this is all about. <laughs> Now, I definitely, like I said, I cannot not recommend Simon Says enough. Please never watch it. Just, And if you do, it's your own fault that you put yourself into a, a situation where you'd have to deal with Dane Cook in that way. You know, that's, that's your own damn fault. You put it on yourself. You did it to yourself. You have no one to blame but yourself. If I get the hate mail and the letters, I'm throwing them out. Anyway, Mike, that's in a rotten march. Where can people find us on the internet? You can, for your streaming pleasure, you can find Damn us on Spotify right. and Apple Podcasts and Overcast and just about anywhere else you get your podcast from. We are on 10 platforms because of Anchor. So go look us up at Happy Hour Films Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook for social media. You want to talk to Ross, go to Facebook. You want to talk to Instagram. Or you want to talk to me, go to Instagram. <laughs> uh, at Happy Hour Films Podcast on both. Give us a like, give us a follow, shoot us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, I'm still waiting to hear from you cannibal freaks and you spectrophiliacs. I'm still waiting to hear about that. I'm not. Yeah. Well, maybe the spectrophiliacs. I, I would actually be curious to hear from the spectrophiliacs. Mike wants to hear from the ghost fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear from all of you. I mean, it's I, I, I just I just want to talk to you weirdos on the internet. I love you because you're <laughs> listening to us. So that's why I love you. But 
So that's in a rotten March. Now, next week, we have kind of an in-between week we're going to do. Um, we're going to do, because last year, this this episode will come out after the Oscars have aired, right? Or are we gonna be, we're going to be filming our episode when the Oscars are on. Yeah. So this will come out, this, um, our Oscar episode will come out after the Oscars. Now, mm-hmm. we're going to, last year, we did our Happy Hour Films Oscars with Tyler and Carrie. They came on. I think we're just going to keep it to Mike and I, but we're going to try to figure out some sort of Oscar related thing, whether or not it be movies that Mike and I thought should have been involved for the Oscars as of last year, or whether or not it's movies that were actually involved in the Oscars. Cause I've actually watched a hand just by looking at my count. I've actually watched a few of these now. And I watched a uh, nightmare alley last night, which not bad. It's, it's pretty, it's a pretty, yeah, solid. I watched nightmare alley. It's a pretty solid movie, but, um, mm-hmm. So we're going to have some opinions on the Oscars and um, who knows, this might even be like a weird partially live episode because I'm going to have the Oscars on while we're filming and like a recording. Cause I'm looking at the TV right now. Like I, I might be able to, we might be able to give live updates per se a week late, <laughs> you know, on the Thursday when they come out. But so we're going to probably do that. And then uh, Mike and I are still going to decide what we're going to do for April. I think we've got it nailed down, but we have, we got to figure out exactly what we're going to do. But until that time next week, when we discuss, um, discuss our Oscar movies, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McWigan. And we'll see you guys next time. So long.